0: You know the Bible says this. Jesus said that where your uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is true. As you invest in things or in groups, in institutions, you find that your heart is carried along with your investment. For instance, uh, I graduated from the University of Alabama. My wife graduated from the University of Alabama. Both my sons graduated from the University of Alabama. Roll Tide. My brother and his wife and one of his children graduated from Alabama. Both my wife and my brother now work at it. Listen, I am heavily invested in the University of Alabama. Thousands and thousands of dollars have gone there, OK? So when I get up here and say Roll Tide, I'm not just saying it you know, out of an empty heart. My heart has followed my treasure, and I am a Roll Tide fanatic. Let's just go ahead and get it out there. But that's true for anything. And as you invest yourself here, In this fellowship, you're going to find that your heart also is carried along by your investment, whether it's money or time or energy or emotion or prayers. Whatever you invest here, your heart's going to be carried along with it. So I encourage you, invest. Don't don't hesitate to invest yourself in the kingdom of God because that investment always pays in the end. Amen. Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you as well. Peace and joy and hope, security, salvation. It all comes, but you've got to seek his kingdom first. Invest in, invest in the kingdom of God above everything else, and your heart will follow. And along with your heart comes your life, amen, and your destiny. That's, that could, that's another sermon altogether. I want to continue to uh, share with you from the book of Colossians this morning. We have come to Colossians 3:16 through 17. And Colossians 3:16 through 17 give us a snapshot of what authentic Christianity looks like. You may or may not know this, I imagine most of you do. Christianity has an image problem in America. It's the image problem is so so bad today that I don't even use the word Christian anymore. I usually use a word like follower of Christ. I'm a believer, I'm a disciple of Christ, I'm a follower of Jesus. I hardly ever tell anybody I'm a Christian anymore because that, 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 that's like a, a buzzkill, if you will. That just it, There's such an image problem with Christianity in America, you can't even really use the word anymore. Have, sure. are you guys, Have you experienced that as well? A book came out back in 2012 by a couple of guys uh, who did some research, Dave Kinneman and Gabe Lyons. They spent three years... Um, Polling young, unchurched Americans to find out what they thought about Christianity. The book, the title of the book is called Unchristian What a New Generation Really Thinks About Christianity and Why It Matters. These two researchers discovered in the course of their research that millions of young American people, the group that we would call the millennials, they see Christians as judgmental, hypocritical, anti homosexual, too political insensitive, and maybe worst of all, boring. Ouch. I mean, that's the way people see us today. That's the way the vast majority, I, I would say that image uh, uh, transcends generations. I think even older people see Christians as being those things. Maybe because of their experience with other Christians, People who call themselves, and you do realize this of course, not everybody that calls themselves a, Christ, a Christian is in actuality a person who has put their faith and trust in Jesus and are following him as their Lord. That's, sometimes people like to use that term Christian for themselves, but there's nothing Christian about them. Can I get an amen? But the, what, what Paul does here in this portion of his letter is he shows us what authentic Christianity should look like. It's a snapshot, if you will, of people who not only call themselves Christians, but who are actually living Christianity out as God intends us to live it out. And I want you, as we look at this, to kind of use this as as a means of examining your own life. Does this characterize my life? I call myself a Christian, but is this... Is that really how I'm living? If there, if you were to go to court and be accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Here's a snapshot of what authentic Christianity looks like. Let's let's look at this because I really don't like that image that they've got of us. I don't think that represents who we are. It certainly doesn't represent uh, the Lord that I claim to serve. So we need to somehow begin to project a different kind of image to the world around us so that we can represent Jesus well to those who come into our sphere of influence. I want to be a Christian, not just a name, but in deed. Amen? I don't want people to say, well, he says he's a Christian, but I don't like that. He says he's a Christian, but I don't want any buts to fall. That sounded bad. Here we go. Let's read these two verses, and we're going to break them down quickly, then we're going to share communion together and spend some more time in worship. Paul writes to us in Colossians 3, 16, 17, giving us a snapshot of authentic Christianity. He says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Lord, I love you, and I thank you so much for this opportunity to share from your word to this wonderful group of people. And I believe everyone sitting in this room wants to be known as your follower, not just by a label, not just because they go to church, but they want to be a Christian, not just in name, but in deed. They want their lifestyle to reflect you are their Savior and their Lord. I believe that's why they're here. I believe that's why you've led them here. And I believe that as we look at these two verses and as we look at what authentic Christianity looks like, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to convict our hearts because in some ways we're falling short. This is not the image some of us are projecting, and that needs to change. But Father, let the change not just be an outward one. Let the change be an internal one. Let our hearts change as we hear this word. Renew our minds. Take us, God, to that place you want us to go in our spirit man, our inner man. We don't want just our outward behaviors to change. We want our hearts to be lined up, perfectly lined up with your will. And I pray you would do that this morning. As we spend time here in this word, glorify yourself through us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul gives us four characteristics of authentic Christianity. And I just want to point out to you what these four characteristics are, and I want you to, to just kind of check yourself. Let the Holy Spirit check yourself and see whether or not you are lining up with what God says authentic Christianity should look like. First, authentic Christians will saturate their lives with the Word of God. Authentic Christians saturate their lives with the word of God. Verse 16 says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. We use that verse all the time, don't we, in Celebrate Recovery. Which step do we take that to to mean? Anybody know? Let the word of Christ... Anybody? Well, I'm not going to guess. Okay, we're going to jump. Where's Cindy when you need her? Okay, here we go. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. the word dwell means to feel at home. Let the message of Christ feel at home among you. Let the message of Christ, the Word of God, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, feel at home among you. That's that's what the Word word of God should feel at home among us. It shouldn't be an alien thing. The Word of God should be freely expressed and and freely received when we come together. It should certainly be a part of our personal lives, right? We should feel at home in the Word of God. It should disturb us if, if I... We're to call out to you, look up up John 3.16, and we're like, is that the Old Testament or the New Testament? We ought to let the Word of Christ be at home in our hearts. The Bible should be at the heart of all we think and do. The, The Word of God should provide the lens by which we see ourselves and the world around us. It should give us our worldview, how we process information, and how we respond to the information processed. Can I be honest with you? Uh, uh, um, When when uh, when I had that dreadful day, I think it was Friday. That dreadful day, root canal on Thursday. My car broke down or wouldn't start on Friday. I get stuck in traffic on Friday on my way to school. I'm telling you, if I didn't have a biblical perspective on things, I would have been frustrated, and I would have been cursing, not necessarily under my breath, I would have been flipping people off, I would have been doing all sorts of things, but you know what, my biblical perspective helps me realize that God's in control of this, Romans 8.28 says God works together for the good of those who love Him, He works all things together for good, so even this stuff I'm going through, God has a purpose in it, and guess what I spent time well, I shouldn't maybe tell you this, but I actually spent time reading the Word of God while I'm waiting in this traffic jam, <laughs> you know, on the phone. Yes, we started moving, but we were moving very slowly, about three miles an hour, and I'm still reading the phone. Don't tell the police that. Clint, you did not hear that from me. <laughs> I'm just saying I took advantage of the time because God's in control. I don't know what he's up to, but he's got me stuck in traffic right now. So I'm going to use it productively. If I didn't have that biblical worldview, I could have blown a gasket. And probably in a past life, I would have. We need to, to understand that the Bible gives us a, a perspective in which we live our lives. It's the Bible that should shape our values. It's the Bible that should shape our priorities and our desires. It's the Bible that should establish our standards and our morals and our ethics. The Bible should be at home in our hearts. But here's the reality of it. For most of us, we don't even know what the Bible says. We're biblically illiterate. Did you know that fewer than half of all adults can even name the four Gospels? Many Christians can't even identify more than two or three of the disciples, the 12 disciples. And according to data from the Barna Research Group, only 60% of us can name five of the Ten Commandments. Five. This is this, I'll be perfectly honest, if you come up and say, you know what, they took the... They, they took the Ten Commandment monument out of the Alabama Capitol. Or somebody has taken the state to court to sue to get the commandments removed out of a courtroom. My immediate response is, can you name me five of those Ten Commandments? Because the people complaining about it the most don't even know what the commandments say. How can we follow the Ten Commandments if we don't know what the Ten Commandments say? You know, is that not right? We are biblically illiterate. And that is exactly polar opposite of what we should be as followers of Jesus Christ, as Christians. As Christians, we should be saturated with the Word of God. It should be at home in our hearts and minds. Here are six benefits. I just wanted to list these, or excuse me, five benefits that the Word of God uh, offers us as we make it, uh, 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 let it feel at home in our hearts. Just quickly, I just want to run these down to remind you of how precious this Word is and how intentionally and deliberately we ought to study it and saturate ourselves with it. It leads us. To, the Word of God leads us to salvation. We are brought to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as we take this Word in. It changes us from the inside out. It points us to Christ who died on the cross for us. It points us to a God who loves us so much that He was willing to send His Son to die in our place on that cross to pay the penalty for our sins. It it teaches us how to live in correct and proper and holy relationship with God as His dearly loved child. It's the Word of God that leads us to salvation. It makes us wise. The Word helps us distinguish right from wrong. It helps us distinguish and discern truth from deception. It guides our steps. The Word of God will show us how to make decisions, what those de- decisions should be. The Word of God will tell us, show us where to go. The Word of God will help us understand what we are to do in response to a situation that's taking place in our life. The Word of God will teach us what to say. The Word of God lifts our burdens. The Word, it's the Word of God that holds out promise and hope to us in times of heartache and hardship. It's the Word of God that reminds us that there is a God who loves us. There is a God who has made promises to us. There is a God who is faithful to keep His promises. There is a God who cares for us and who answers us when we call. It lifts our burdens. Some of you right now, you have walked in these doors and you are worn out. And Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You're carrying burdens you shouldn't even be carrying anymore. It's just that you won't release them to God and let Him take them from you. Or when you do, you want to reach back and pick them back up. It's the Word of God that sets us free. It's the Word of God that sets us free. It sets us free from sin. It helps point out The broken parts in our life that keep our lives in such turmoil and chaos. It's the Word of God that brings the conviction of the Holy Spirit to our hearts. It's the Word of God that frees us from condemnation. It's the Word of God that frees us from fear. It's the Word of God that frees us from guilt. It's the Word of God that frees us from shame. We continue, many of us, to walk in guilt and shame of our past when the word clearly says I have taken all that from you and I've cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. But we don't even know that's what God has said. So we just keep walking burdened by that guilt and that shame, torn up and our spirits holding on to things that we that have been forgiven and for, and forgotten by the Lord. It's the word of God. It's the wor- we need the word of God saturate your heart, saturate your life in the word of God. We've got to let the Word of God and all of its fullness feel at home in our hearts. We've got to let His Word have the run of our house. We have to permit the Word of God to open up every closet door and peek inside to see if there's anything that needs to be taken out or removed from our lives. We've got to let the Word of God feel at home. In our hearts, we've got to let it go when the Word of God says let it go. We've got to do what the Word of God says we should do. We've got to let the Word of God clean out what needs to be cleaned. We've got to let the Word of God fix what needs to be fixed. We've We've got to let the Word of God saturate our lives, our hearts, our minds, and it certainly should feel at home here among us as we get together. I hear more and more about churches that don't even talk about the Word of God anymore. Some preacher gets up and shares opinions. You don't need my opinion. My opinion not going to help you in any way. Only the word of God is going to change your life. My opinion just my opinion. like like my belly button is my belly button. does nothing for you, does it? What you need is the word of God. It's the word of God that will turn you inside out. Let the word of God feel at home in your heart, in your life. So read it. Read it. How many of you are following that Bible app that we encourage you to get started? Aren't you enjoying that? Man, it's so rich. The little videos that go with it to explain how, the uh, how that particular book is laid out is amazing. If you haven't started that yet, please get that app on your smartphone and begin to read it every morning. My, my phone is set to go off at 6 o'clock, but I've usually got that passage of Scripture read by 5.30 because I'm just so ready to get into it. And God has a way of speaking to me in those passages of Scripture, reminding me of things about myself and about Him that I need to hold on to as my day progresses. Get into the Word of God. Read it. We have... I need to move on. Read it. Listen to it. Thank you for being here. I hope that the Word of God will penetrate your heart and be a seed that's planted in the fertile ground of your life and it will produce a lot of fruit. Listen to the Word of God. Study the Word of God. We have all kinds of uh, uh, tools available to you where you can dive into the Word for yourself. Don't take it from me that this is what God has said. You go home and study it for yourself. Let God speak to your heart, Himself, not just through me or through another preacher. Meditate on it. Memorize it, but most importantly, put it into practice. It's when we practice the Word of God, when we put it into practice in our lives, that we receive the blessing from it. Let me just tell you, I am concerned because I believe the sin of gluttony has just about consumed our churches. I'm talking about spiritual gluttony. We will sit in church service after church service after church service. We'll go to conferences all over the place. We'll run from one end of the country to revival meetings. We will have Christian TV on the, on the tube 24-7, getting fat spiritually, just taking it in. But we never do anything with it. I know all of them. I've met too many people. I know what the word says. Yeah, but why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you living it out? Why aren't you putting it into practice? You know what to do. You know what to do. You know what God has said, but you're just not doing anything with it. It's not until you put the word of God into practice that you begin to see and realize the benefit of that word. It's time for the church of for the, for the for the saints of God Christians authentic Christians to stand up and ingest that word saturate themselves with the word of God but then most importantly walk it out walk it out to experience a blessing and the power of it second authentic Christians involve themselves in ministry authentic Christians involve themselves in ministry verse 16 says let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish One another with all wisdom. One another with all wisdom. God never designed ministry to be the sole responsibility of a professional clergy. Just in case you didn't hear that, let me say it again. God never designed ministry to be the sole responsibility Of a paid preacher or teacher it is a mutually shared responsibility it's not my responsibility because I have the platform and a podium and a microphone to be solely responsible to teach you what you need to know from the Word of God it is a responsibility we all share in the body of Christ. And authentic Christians understand this. Authentic Christians will not wait to get a position before they start serving. Authentic Christians don't wait for a paycheck or a nameplate on their door to get involved in other people's lives. To build them up. To make them stronger. To teach them what they know. To draw from the experience they've been given in Christ with others. God never designed ministry to be the responsibility of a paid professional clergy. We have a responsibility to one another, to help each other grow in knowledge, grow in our understanding of the Lord. He wants us all to be involved, all to be involved in ministry, serving one another, loving one another. Bearing one another's burdens. It's a mutually shared responsibility. Do you, I hope you get that. I think our little fellowship gets that better than most churches. Some of you, I, I'm not going to name names because there, there, there are so many I would forget somebody. But some of you are not on you know, our list of staff on your bulletin. Some of you um, who are our most effective ministers don't go by the title, pastor. Some of you who are most effective in encouraging and sharing truth and teaching truth principles that change people's lives, you don't have a title. You certainly don't get a paycheck because none of us get a paycheck. You're the most effective people sitting in in this room right now. You do more than I'll ever do. Because you take advantage of the opportunities the Lord gives you in conversation to share truth with people and the way God's truth has impacted your life with people that lifts them up, encourages them, and then nudges them in the right direction. They would never take that from me because I've got it all together. You know, I'm the paid guy. I'm supposed to, I get paid to tell you things, right? I hope you don't think that. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is some of you are way more effective in your ministry than I am in mine because you've got no agenda at all other than to love people and tell them the truth, and they know that. They would never receive it from me because I'm the one that's supposed to tell them, but you're saying, I got no, I got no dog in this fight. Let me just tell you what God's done for me. Does that make sense? Some of us, I'm not going to get there, stop. <laughs> I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I've had the opportunity to talk to some of you personally and thank you because I hear your names crop up again and again and again as a person who encouraged somebody or shared truth with them that helped change a, 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 a you know, a person's direction and and perspective on something. So I've already talked to a couple of you, and I hope over the next few days, the next couple of weeks, to talk to some more of you, say thank you. You don't have a position, you don't have a title, but you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. You are sharing responsibility to teach one another the truth and to admonish one another with all wisdom. You're doing that. Praise God. Thank you so much. You you see, authentic Christians are people who take their God-given responsibilities seriously. We have a crisis in the body of Christ, and the crisis is this. We want all God's blessings, but we don't want any of the responsibility that comes with it. What does Spider-Man say? With great power comes great responsibility. You do understand that with God's blessing comes responsibility. You do understand that, right? He has not called any of us to simply take in the blessings without sharing responsibility. There's a calling on your life. This is another sermon altogether. But each one of us has been made part of the body of Christ. He has gifted each one of us with gifts that we are to use to edify the body and to glorify his name through all the earth. Now you can sit there on your little tush if you want to and do nothing with it. But then when the day comes and you've got to face the Lord of the harvest and, and he asks you, what did you do with the gift that I gave you? He says, well, I sat on it. I was really good at sitting on it. I don't think he's going to be satisfied with that answer. We need to be about the Father's business. There is work to be done, and authentic Christians understand, yes, I have been blessed by the Lord, but I have a responsibility too, and they carry out their responsibility. They involve themselves in ministry. Now listen, in this passage of Scripture, he lists two uh, areas of ministry in particular, and this this certainly should be something that all of us share in. To teach means that we should communicate truth to one another in a formal setting like this and in informal settings as well. One-on-one conversations. And I would tell you the most effective ministry will not take place in a large group setting like this. The most effective ministries... The most, I'm telling you, the most effective ministry in the, in the body of Christ is of those one-on-one conversations and those times of prayer that you have with, 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 with either just one person or just a small group of people. But we need to all be involved in teaching truth to one another, communicating truth, whether it's in a formal setting or in an, excuse me in an informal setting. We also need to admonish one another. Admonish means to warn people if they're making poor decisions and headed down a wrong path. What? What? I am supposed to warn people that their lives are is a, that their life is about to run off the track. Yes, wave a red flag. Woo! Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I love you too much to let you go down that road without warning. But this brings into, into mind, this idea of accountability. We don't like that very much, do we? That's why sometimes, and I'm, I'm not trying to, that's why sometimes we like to get involved with big churches where the, they have five or six meetings on, if on a Sunday, because we can just be another face in the crowd, nobody knows if we're there or not, nobody knows how we're really doing there's no connection. Now, if you're in a big church and involved in small groups, that's that's awesome. That helps. And I'm not saying that to throw to cast aspersions on a large church. I'm just saying we have to understand that there is a purpose in this fellowship, in this this thing called church that God brings us into, and that purpose is to be involved in ministry, involved in each other's lives, sharing life together, teaching and admonishing, serving and loving. We are to teach and be taught. We are to admonish and be admonished. And that requires us to be involved with each other, to know each other, to get past the surface relationships and get down into the heart issues that are taking place among us. We are to be interdependent, not independent. Interdependent, not independent. You see, this Christian life Authentic Christians understand that this Christian life is a matter of both giving and receiving. Blessing and being blessed. Serving and being served. Authentic Christians involve themselves in ministry to one another. That's the way it's supposed to work. We also celebrate God and his grace. We saturate ourselves In the Word of God, we get involved in ministry, but authentic Christians also celebrate God and His grace. How dare anyone call us boring? I don't want to be boring. I just don't need any artificial substances to make me have fun, help me have fun. I can have fun without... Anyway, that's another sermon, too. Verse 16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I really, frankly, believe that Christians ought to be the happiest people on the planet. We ought to be the happiest people on the planet. There there should be nothing, nothing that should wipe the smile off of our faces. Our sins, listen, our sins have been forgiven. And the God of the universe is now our Father and our friend nothing can separate us from his love all the troubles and the struggles and the problems in this life they're only temporary you realize of course this is as close to hell as any of us get I mean we have an eternal home waiting for us in heaven where we'll never be touched by sorrow again what's not to celebrate what is there not to be happy about Philippians 4 :4 says rejoice in the Lord always I'll say it again rejoice Billy Sunday said this if you lack joy there must be a leak in your christianity somewhere you have lost sight of something D.L. Moody said every good gift that we have had from the cradle up has come from God and if a man just stops to think what he has to praise God for he will find there is enough to keep him singing praises for a week how dare you not be smiling right now God is good he has met our needs. He has given us fulfillment and meaning and purpose. I mean, he withholds nothing, the Bible says. He withholds no good thing from us. Man, what's there not to be happy about? I say sing, man. If you're going to sing, sing. I don't care if you sing on key. It doesn't matter. Just sing. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Get your voice open. Get your hand. I don't care if you can clap on beat or not. It's really funny, you go into these mixed meetings sometimes, and you're, you know, you're supposed to, modern worship, you're supposed to go on the second and fourth beats. Mm, mm, mm. But the older people are going one and, well, on the first and the third beat, right? Well, and before, you, Listen, it doesn't matter when you clap, you just ought to be clapping. It doesn't matter how well you sing, you just ought to be singing. When you are given an opportunity to raise a joyful shout to the Lord, how dare you sit there and do nothing? God has redeemed your life. He has taken you from the pit. He has put you on a solid foundation and He will never lose you. You will never slip. You will never. He's got you, man. Man, we ought to be walking around laughing. We ought to be crazy laughing. (laughs) Laughing gas laughing. I turned down laughing gas at the endodontist this past week, you know? I didn't need it. (laughs) I mean, Unfortunately, I think sometimes many of the Christians I know, they need their own canister of laughing gas. It's like, dude, I haven't seen you smile in years. Why so downcast? Oh, my soul, put your hope in God. You know what I'm saying? Have I got to start dispensing laughing gas containers to you people? That's what you need to give a church full of recovering eggs while right, laughing at. <laughs> We're going to start slipping poppy seeds on all the rolls that we dish out. Just to keep you laughing. It's crazy, man. God is so good. Our lives are so blessed. Man, I really think that's why the word thankful has already been talked about twice in these two verses. Most of us spend way more time whining about what we don't have rather than enjoying and expressing gratitude for what we do have. We need to redirect our attention, don't you think? Man, rejoice in the Lord. I mean, let's sing. Let's sing. Let's rejoice. Let's celebrate God and his grace. We have no reason to whine and complain. Our God has been so good and is so good to us authentic Christianity, authentic Christians celebrate. It's all about celebration. Authentic Christians also consistently honor God with their lives. Authentic Christians consistently, say that word with me, consistently, consistently, say it again, consistently, say it again. (laughs) Julie and I have this thing going on with consistency. Verse 17 says whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Listen, following Christ isn't a part-time job. Following Christ isn't a part-time job. Authentic Christians aren't just Christians on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights when they're in church. Authentic Christians aren't just Christians when they show up at Christmas or Easter. Authentic Christians consistently honor God with their lives 24-7, 365 days a year, wherever they are, whatever they do, whether they're in a crowd of people or all alone, they're serving God, honoring Him with the choices they make, Honoring him in their behavior, honoring him with their attitudes, honoring him with the words that they say. Listen, authentic Christians will honor the Lord at home. They'll honor the Lord on the job. They'll honor the Lord in the classroom. They'll honor him in the street, on the playground. We consistently honor the Lord. Listen, those of you at Kingwood Christian School, if you call yourself a Christian, never cheat on a test because you've just blown your witness. Kills me, man. Kills me. We want, to, you know, we want to, everybody to think of us as Christians, but we're like looking for loopholes on the side. Trying to find shortcuts instead of doing what God would have us do. And that's true, that's true for us adults, just like it is a kid in a classroom. Are you honoring God consistently with the choices you're making in your life? Now listen, that doesn't mean we're perfect. We're not perfect. There is no such being as a perfect human being. Perfection is an impossible standard. But are you making progress? Are you making progress toward achieving that standard? We are to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's what it means to be an authentic Christian. When we do make a mistake, and we will make mistakes, when we do sin, when we do fail, own up to it. Take responsibility for it. Confess it. Admit it. Take it to the Lord in prayer, and if you can, make amends with those that you have hurt. That's what authentic Christians do. We don't deny it. We don't hide it. We don't justify our sin. We don't shift our sin onto somebody else and make them... No, I did this. I messed up. Let me make it right. That's what authentic Christians do, right? It's what the Word of God tells us to do. Listen, the whole world is watching us. You understand that. Right now, we are under a microscope. We're under a microscope. And the world is looking at us to see whether or not we will consistently follow the one we say we follow. Are we walking the walk? Or just talking the talk? The test of genuine love for the Lord. Listen. and and this is throughout the Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation. It's pointed out to us in every New Testament letter Paul wrote, every letter in the Bible, this principle, you'll you'll find it. Authentic Authentic Christianity. The test of genuine love for the Lord is found in faithful obedience to His Word. Can't get away from it. Cannot get away from it. That's the test. Are you who you claim to be? If you are, you will obey his word. Jesus says in John 14, 23, anyone who loves me, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but what it does mean, when you screw it up, you know how to get it right. And you'll own it. Take responsibility for it. Look, Pastor and author Kevin DeYoung said this recently in a book. He said, the world needs to see Christians burning, not with self-righteous fury at the sliding morals in our country, but burning with a passion for God. Awesome. I want us to be a church filled with authentic Christians who are burning with a passion for God. Enough finger-pointing. Enough finger-pointing. Right. Finger the world's going to live like the world lives. The world's going to do what the world does. Sinners sin because they're sinners. Let's just live up to what we have already attained in Christ Jesus, who saved us and redeemed us and called us out of darkness into his glorious light. Let's be light to a dark, lonely, confused world. Let's be who we claim to be. Let's walk by the Spirit. Let's be authentic Christians in every sense of the word saturating our lives with the Word of God that brings life to us, that brings light to our hearts, that guides our steps and fills our minds with wisdom. Let's get involved and stay involved in ministry. Let's take responsibility for one another to teach and to admonish, to serve and to love one another. Let's celebrate God and His grace. Man, God is good. Let the world know how good He is. And honor God consistently with your life. Be who you claim to be. What do they call people who do not... Live as they, who, who who do not live as the person they claim to be. Enough, enough, no more. Don't let that be said about you. Don't let that be said about you. Let's honor him consistently with our lives. Let's let the Lord Jesus Christ be glorified in us. Let's represent him well. Let's represent him well. Let's change the image that Kalira has about Christians. Let's change. Hey, let's 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 get more personal. Let's change the way our family thinks about Christians. Let's change the way our coworkers think about Christians. Let's change the way our kids think about Christians. Let them see Christ in us with the hope of glory. Bow your heads and close your eyes. We're gonna step into a time of communion. I'm gonna get John to come up here and <clears throat> lead us. <laughs> Excuse me. You know, it's so easy to rail against the direction our nation is going right now. We we just there's so much going on around us that is so opposed to the, to the will of God. And we recognize it. We see it. Even those who don't claim to be Christian are taking a look around, and they're seeing so much uh, immorality and chaos and disorder and dysfunction. They see it. But I can't do anything about that until I let the Lord do in me what he wants to do. And I'm afraid that we have lost, as a church, we have lost our moral authority to speak to some of those things. To some of the immorality and some of the dysfunction in the world around us. Because, frankly, we're not walking the walk. We're pointing fingers at others when we ought to instead pointing fingers at ourselves because we've got this big old log in our eye. We've got to take care of that. But God has called us to this moment. You've got to understand something. God's in control of it all, and he could have permitted us to be born in another time, in another nation, in another place, another culture but he has given us life here in America It's 2017 and here we are And you've got to see it as as he sees it He has strategically placed you and me right here right now for such a time as this and he has given us gifts and abilities, and he has given us a, you know, a platform. He has, uh, he has placed us where we are to reach people with his gospel, this gospel that sets men free, this gospel that offers forgiveness to the rebels and the enemies of God. He has given us a strategic place at this strategic moment. We can't afford to waste it, y'all. We need to seize this moment for the glory of God. We need to stand up and be counted among those who are faithful to Jesus Christ. If they're going to call us Christian, well, let's be Christian. Not just in name, but in deed. Let's live it out. Let's let them see how God can take a bunch of misfits a bunch of broken people, a bunch of hypocrites, and how God can transform them and make out of them something chosen, and holy, and dearly loved. That's what this world really needs to see. He needs to see us burning with a passion for God. Burning with a passion for God. A passion to know God, a passion to make God known.